Welcome to Murder in the Black with Steph and MB. Welcome back to Murder in the Black. It is your host, Steph. And I'm MD. And we hope that you guys really liked the James Jordan part two. MD, that was an hour and 20 minute episode. I mean, I'm so sorry. It was. <laughs> no, I think everybody long. liked it. Yeah. I mean, I have heard positive feedback. And I think that it was just really difficult to make that case any shorter than what we did. We really tried to be concise. Right. Which is why we did two parts. Um, so we wanted to encourage everybody to vote in that poll. That poll will be up until next Thursday because we want to hear from you guys. We want to know who do you think is responsible for James Jordan's death? And if you don't want to vote or no, absolutely vote. Okay. But then always drop us a comment if you want to expand yeah. on or expound on your theory. Right. And you I can love do to that. Read you guys' theories. Right. And you have to, you can you can't leave us a comment on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but you will have to go to our social medias to do so. So we have that all listed in show notes. Um, we are murdering the black on every single handle. But I just want to address that real quick. But let's get into our crime case for today and yes. be take us away. Well, Grab your coffee if it's the morning or your wine if it's the evening. But either way, let's get into it. All right. So our crime case is another sports theme. And it is about moving on from basketball, going straight into football. Yes. It's about Robert Bob Rosier. 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 Jr. And we know it's Rosier. We looked it up because y'all try to come for us a little bit. Listen, I understand it. I think this case should be called Second Chances. You think Second Chances? I do. I know you think it should be called something different. but Yeah, I think it should be called Lie, Cheat, Kill. I mean, he he did lie. He cheated. Isn't that a song? It is, but... Okay. But I mean, I just think that this is like... Okay, so you guys tell us if after you listen... If you think we should call it second chances or lie, cheat, kill, you'll understand it once we get to the end. Right. So Robert was born July 28th, 1955 in Anchorage, Alaska. Now, he was an Army brat, military brat. His parents were both in the Air Force, so he was born in Anchorage, but he pretty much lived a little bit of everywhere. That was until his mom and dad settled in California. Now, he attended Cordova High School, which is located in Rancho Cordova, California, which I believe is a suburb. If that's wrong, feel free to correct me, guys. But the population there was just a lot more um, white people who lived in that area and went to that school. And there just wasn't a whole bunch of people that looked like us. Not a lot of diversity. Yeah, not a lot of diversity. So this kind of, the reason I... You know, I believe everybody says things with a purpose. So it is intentional that I am bringing this fact up. Now, many remark that he was uh, not a typical army brat. Like he was very quiet, but also playful. And he excelled socially and athletically. However, his grades were a completely different story. Okay. Because MD, on the scale, on the GPA scale, this baby had a 1.32 GPA. Jeez. I mean, I that's mean, a D. Like, he basically just showed up at, at school. He was like, present. Present. And they got him <laughs> just a little point. 
<laughs> I mean, he signed his name on the roll. He did. He did. But, I mean, he later dropped out of high school, you know, and we don't really know what led to this, but obviously having a 1.32 GPA doesn't help this at all. So, you know, even though his academics were suffering, this did not hinder him into like fully becoming a professional football player. Now, let me just give y'all some some statistics. Um, he was 6'4", 240 pounds. He can do a, or could do a 10-foot vertical leap. And he could run 40 yards in 4.7 seconds and also bench press 375 pounds. He was a stud. He was a stud. That's Absolutely. Built for football, okay? Now, despite his grades, his gift for, his gift for football definitely propelled him. So he actually attended Gary Harbor's college, was a, which was a community college. And he only attended there for one semester. Now, what you guys may find interesting is, you know, he did not get his GED. We know he didn't finish high school. Because he had a 1.32 GPA. So, MD, I mean, like, explain to the people. This is what I'm saying. Like, you know, he obviously had a gift. And this is the thing. Like, when you are extremely gifted and talented, people will figure out how to make a way. They will break rules, make exceptions. Cheat. Cheat mm-hmm. for sure. I don't know if it was a second chance or just a cheating I chance. I mean, listen, Sound like here a it is chance. second chance privilege. Here we go. Okay, so he attended there for one semester and eventually was recruited by University of California, Berkeley. And once again, we are looking at fraudulent behavior. Okay, why do you now, say that's fraudulent? That's fraudulent because he didn't do what was required to go to school. That's cheating. Oh. Because okay. when you enter college, if I was just a regular student and I didn't play football, if I had a 1.32 GPA and I didn't finish high school, then I'm required to, to then go and get a GD, GED to go to college. Those right. are the rules. Yeah, it's definitely unfair to those of regular people who's not 6'4", runs 4'7", benches 600 and some pounds. Okay, are y'all, are y'all given the heavy implication of cheating? Okay. Got Just, it. you know, we got to cover all our bases here. So he stayed at Berkeley for about two years. Now, his position was defensive end, and the leader of the football team described him as being the best athlete on the team. Now, however, comma, it was also said that he was a manipulator and a habitual liar. Habitual. Yeah. You know, like I, when I hear habitual liar, I just I just think back to like when I was younger and I used to say that, you know, because it was a big word and I thought I was like really smart to say habitual liar. But there's also a pathological liar. And I just want to know, like, do you know the difference between a habitual liar and a pathological liar? Well, I would say, you know, now I don't know the exact definition, but I believe, like, when I hear pathological liar, I think neurology, I think pathways, neural pathways. And so I think it has something to do with, like, your heart, your hardwired right. to do so. Your comp- like, it's a compulsion. Yes. Whereas a habitual liar is not necessarily... You just, just kind of created a you habit. You created that habit. It was a habit that was created. It can be broken. So hab- habitual liars, do they often lead to? I'm, you don't know these questions. I'm just I, wondering. Google girl. You know, Google habitual liars they, t- may have a tendency to lead to a pathological liar based on that. Good anyway. questions. Yeah. If y'all know, you know. If y'all know the answers. 
I mean, we're going to Google it. But he was a habitual liar. He wasn't a, well, according to this leader, he was a habitual liar, not a pathological liar. Now, I just have to say that I believe that coaches and people in authority constantly turned a blind eye to his behavior because of his talent. And you may be saying, well, what was his behavior? I got you. Now, while playing football and attending school, he got his own apartment off campus. This became a breeding ground for parties, which I would say that's pretty typical. Like, you're in college, so I'm not trying to say that like partying is bad. It, 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 it cannot be a bad thing, right? But he was known for having just, it was just, a, it was just a party house, okay? Like, everybody would come. Girls would be in and out of the home. They were smoking weed, sniffing coke. Mm. It, you know, it was all these things that happened. And he actually did get into some trouble with the police. He was charged with contributing to the delinquency of a minor. MD. I mean, what does that even mean? I mean, it sounds like he was providing some illegal substance to a person that was under the age. Okay. So, you know, it it could have been anything. It could have been alcohol. It could have been weed. You know, obviously it could have been cocaine, but like maybe they were at the parties. It could have been something that simple. Okay. Thanks for that. And so, you know, the rest of his issues were really just parking tickets, which I'm not going to hold that against you. I had a lot of parking (laughs) tickets in college. I had a lot. I did too. As a matter of fact, I used to put my parking ticket on my dashboard dashboard so that maybe i wouldn't get another one i already got one sir meter made don't give Keep another one i got it i got it yesterday you don't even have to give me one for today i'm good for the did week. that trick work did it work it worked for a little bit okay. and then they started putting the date on the parking <laughs> ticket <laughs> so they ultimately didn't end up working so you know when he wasn't partying or playing football he began to pursue a degree in african-american studies And he started to admire a man by the name of Dr. Harry Edwards, who specialized in studying black athletes and providing support in those areas. A lot of his teachings stated that black men were essentially now I'm 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 like, you know, putting this in my words. Um, Feel free to research more about Dr. Harry Edwards. But essentially, he was saying that black men were in another form of slavery through football because the white men who are over these, you know, these teams and the sports, they are just like pimping their bodies out, you know, Mm. exploiting them for the sport. And this is an interesting conversation because uh, Colin Kaepernick made a documentary kind of surrounding the same issue. M, do you have any thoughts about that? I definitely think it's interesting and without... I feel like you could have a very long conversation about this, but I I see the correlation and possibly back in this time, like the early, you know, 70s, 80s, it probably looked more like that than it does today. Yeah, I mean, I think that's arguable, but for sure, it's definitely a conversation. I think that we should be having as people who dominate these sports in the NFL the NBA, it's a conversation that I think is worth exploring. And for that time, it was kind of radical. It was a radical way of thinking. And he actually, like, encouraged people around him to boycott the 1976 Olympics. And a lot of people were like, what are you talking about? Then he said that black men, you know, should just stop playing sports in general because the white owners were pimping them out. Hmm. However, he didn't stick with this, right? He didn't stick with this thing. He became what? What did he start doing? 
So he got drafted after dropping off of dropping out of college. I don't know if he I'm not, I'm unclear on if he dropped out or if, you know, he was just he entered the draft, whichever way. Well, both I think but that that's both dropping can, out. Right. If you enter the draft, you're dropping out of college. Right. Unless well, I guess that's that's, you can that's not yeah, that's not accurate. You can enter the draft and then still finish college while you go to the NFL. But most people don't do that. Okay. Okay. There. So, MD, in 1979, he does what? He was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals, and um, he spent time going, you know, to the Cardinals and working out with them, but he only played six games during that season. He just was not successful there. Even you know, He had no interceptions, no tackles, and he was eventually let go because he got caught up in drugs and no surprise also suspicion of stealing things so <laughs> the cardinals were like you got to go it was also the cardinals worst thing that they had had in a long time they only had five wins during that season they had 11 losses and so they're trying to figure out how can we you know make ourselves better so he was not able at the time to find another team here in the United States that was going to draft him. So he ended up going to the CFL, which is the Canadian Football League. And he played for two teams while he was in the CFL. And nothing really ever came of that either. As a matter of fact, he really needed to get out of Canada because his criminal behavior was definitely showing up. He was arrested in Canada for writing bad checks. He uh, let when he left Canada, he had 32 warrants, 32 against him for fraud, stealing teammates, identities, writing bad checks and stealing from the team. I mean, this guy girl was on one. I mean, he was so that manipulator and habitual liar thing is catching right on. Right. As a matter of fact, I think we have turned pathological at this point. But, you know, I'm not a therapist. So he ended up coming back to the United States and he was picked up by the Oakland Raiders. Here he is getting another chance, second chances, guys. And, he, you know, the Raiders at the time, they had a reputation of taking a chance on the bad boy, taking a chance on the, the person that nobody else would take a chance on. And so they picked up Rogier mm-hmm. and... Only after being with them for like two weeks, he just abruptly left without explanation. Nobody understands what happened. The Raiders didn't let him go. He just got up and said, this ain't for me. I'm just going to go. I'm done. And it was really unfortunate that he did that because the Raiders actually went on to go to the Super Bowl that year. (laughs) But he ended up serving um, six months in prison. He like kind of just went traveling the southeast of the United States and um, just kind of, I guess, what do you call it? Nomad, so to speak. And he ended up getting arrested, serving six months in prison. But then in 1982, he met someone that would change his life. And that was Ben Yahweh. And he ended up becoming Rogier. He ended up becoming a black Hebrew 
Israelite as a result of Ben Yahweh's influence. And he became a black Hebrew Israelite in 1986. Now, black Hebrew Israelites were actually founded in Florida in 1979 by a man named Hulan Mitchell Jr. And he proclaimed himself to be the self, uh, I mean, he, he self-proclaimed himself to be a black Messiah. He was known, he changed his name to Yahweh Ben Yahweh. And I may be pronouncing these names wrong. Yahweh is correct. Um, but yeah, his first name is a little different. So Yeah. Their basic belief, uh, black Hebrew Israelites, their basic belief is that they believe that Jesus taught that white people and Jewish people were infidels and oppressors. They believe that all of that God and all of his prophets and all the people that were in the Bible were black. Very and that interesting. black people were the lost tribe of Israel. Very interesting. This concept this concept, me and my brother, we talk about it a lot. Um, but you know, Satan always mixes a little bit of truth with with the lie. To make right. it sound appealing. to make it sound great, but I just want to bring you guys back attention your your attention back to when he was in high school at Cardova High School in California. You know there what he didn't have a whole lot of black influence there, not a whole lot of black people, not a lot of, a lot of diversity. And then when he went off to Berkeley and started studying African American studies, digging deep, you I, I could tell that he is. It's my opinion that he was trying to. You know, find out more about who he was. Right, absolutely. So, as a re- I think anytime you're trying to find out more about who you are, um, things that things can sound attractive if they if you perceive it as truth. So, I can kind of see how he ended up in the the hands of the black Hebrew Israelites. Right, and they also really had a big movement in this time. They ran grocery stores. They owned black businesses. They really had the traditional Christian values as well. And in the height of the 80s, they had like over 12,000 members. Wow. Yeah. So Rogier, when he came and he saw the success and the just confidence that these men and women had, he knew he had to be a part of it. And he ended up giving all of his belongings, like selling all of everything he owned and all of his money, ended up giving all of that to the black Hebrew Israelites. And, you know, he changed his name to Naraji Israel, which means child of God. And he just sold his whole self into it. And now this is what's interesting. It says that a requirement to join the special, like a subgroup of the black Hebrew Israelites was to kill a white person Mm. and bring back a body part, finger or ear. And so Rogier, he took that and was like, I got it. No problem. Wow. So let me, I want to be a part of this special group, this subset I don't know the name of the special subset group. It was called the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And so in 1986, he followed a drunk white man back to his apartment and killed him and his roommate with a 12-inch Japanese knife. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then on September 5th of that same year, he just his behavior escalated. He... 
and some other members of the Brotherhood killed an unconscious 61-year-old named Raymond Kelly. He was also a white man, and he was asleep in his car and uh, from a bar parking lot. Mm-hmm. They cut his ear off and brought That's it back a- to Ben Yahweh. Yeah, proof. and actually, like a little random fact, like they actually cut one ear off. They lost it in transit, went back. And cut his other ear off. Oh, they were bold with it. Oh, yeah. They were like, we have got to accomplish the task. The evil. It is demonic. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, after, you know, after this, they went back to show proof to, to Ben Yahweh and to show that, hey, we've done what we were supposed to do, like. You know, elevate us and all of this. We're now part of the group. We're now a part of this brotherhood. Shortly after this, you know, they kind of went on a, or this group went on a murder spree, like where they were just killing several different people. And um, Rogier was soon arrested for the murder of Rudy and Anthony. So the two people that he killed prior. On Halloween. On Halloween. Yeah. And right before that, um, it's important to know. So he killed the white individuals that he felt like he needed to to be a part of this group. But right after that, he struck again on September 20th. And he killed a man by the name of Cecil Branch. And I think it's important that we talk about this because Cecil was black. So for all this black empowerment that they talking about, hmm. I think it's interesting that you kill your own people. That's Something's not right about that. And he was killed because... You know, the black Hebrew Israelites were out, I guess, you know, uh, trying to share their message. Yeah, trying to share their message with with people in the neighborhood. And Cecil was like, get off of my, my," he had the right to say, get off of my doorstep. I I don't want. I don't want. Yeah, we all do that. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Leave. Right. And I don't know if he purposely pushed a, a female devotee, but she got pushed. And as a result of this. Um, you know, he killed this man, you know, and, and then shortly after, I mean, all of these yeah, crimes it was are very it escalated because mm-hmm. then, so September 20th, he kills Cecil. And then on Halloween, he kills Rudy and Anthony, who were also black. Yeah. Correct. Yes. And so he ends up getting arrested for that murder. And once he's arrested, the government is, you know, trying to get they really want to get Ben Yahweh. And so they use Rogier as a way to see if they can, you know, get him to give more information about Ben Yahweh. And they charged him with first degree murder. They're telling him, hey, you're going to be in jail for life without a possibility of parole. You could even possibly face death. And so if you want us to consider lowering your sentence, we have all this evidence against you. If you want us to consider lowering your sentence, then tell us about this special group. Tell us about what you know. And Rogier sang like a bird. He did, but it kind of took some time for him to sing like a bird because right when he was arrested, the nation supported him. They got him a lawyer. They paid all his legal fees. And for seven months, he stuck right beside the nation. He said, okay. I'm going to stick beside him. Yeah, he, he, he was trying to, you know, help them out. However, you know, Robert said, I, I want to change counsel. 
So y'all need to pay for that. So either you help me pay for counsel, new counsel, or, you know, I'm done with you. And so the nation said, well, you're not going to threaten us like that. And they dropped him. And then that's when he felt more comfortable accepting the prosecutor's plea deal. Right. And so as, as soon as he accepted the plea, he confessed to all seven murders that he committed. Now, did they ask him, uh, did he commit more murders or did he just say it? No, he just confessed. Yeah, he just was like, he was like, let me say, he needed to get it off. Get it off of him. This is what I did. He turned state evidence. And in exchange for his testimony, he accepted a plea of uh, a 22 year sentence instead of life in prison. However, what happened, Steph? So in 1990, the state actually built a 14 murder conspiracy indictment against the nation of black Hebrew Israelites. So they were already looking into the black Hebrew Israelites. They were trying to, they knew some shady dealings were taking place. So the indictment was for 16 members, including Yahweh Ben Yahweh. Uh, The trial in 1992, um, Robert was the state's star witness during the trial. However, Yahweh being Yahweh was acquitted of those murder charges. So they didn't get him on any of those murder charges, that 14 murder conspiracy indictment. Um, He was acquitted of those charges. However, he was convicted for racketeering and conspiracy, um, conspiracy for murder. He received 18 years in prison in 1992. Now, we have to keep going back to Robert because Robert, he's, he's, the, he's the story that keeps on giving. Absolutely. Okay? And Robert, <laughs> as a result of cooperating with the state, he was given a new identity. A, a second chance. A, another chance. Another chance, which he um, fumbled the play again. Um, so after serving 10 of those years, his name was now Robert or, yeah, he served 10 years, and his name was Robert Ramses. So he received a new identity. Yes. So he spoke with a local magazine and just kind of said that he was remorseful for what he did, and he moved back to California. And he, um, I think it's important to notate that he completely disavowed any association with the black Hebrew Israelites once yeah. he, was, once he t- testified at their trial. Yeah. So... Um, He moved back to California, actually married, had a couple of kids, but his criminal life was not too far behind. Um, He actually bounced a check, and a check was a thing, y'all. I know we're trying to go to digital currency and all this whatnot. That's not good, but um, we used to have checks. Yeah. (laughs) I actually still write checks. People still have checks today, but I mean, I know for the younger generation, it's like check. Right. It's Cash App. It's Venmo. Mm Mm-hmm. Zell. So he actually bounced a check for $66, which in today's terms, that would be about $107. Now, when the police arrested him. Huh? Yeah, as a result of him bouncing a check. As a result of him bouncing the check. Now, this is all, this all is very familiar. I mean, he was stealing from teens. He He was was writing bad checks. He's just Mm -hmm. falling back into his old ways. So in 1999, he, um, he volunteered his criminal past. Now he had a new identity. He no longer went by Robert 
Rogier. Rogier. Yeah, he was no longer Robert Rogier. He was Robert Ramsey's, but he voluntarily told them, well, I'm a, you know, I had a criminal past. Now my name is Robert Ramsey's. The police would not have known that, especially back in 1999. I mean, you effectively changed your identity with the government. And he gets arrested for these bad checks. Yes. Volunteers that he actually was somebody else prior to being Robert Ramsey. Right. And they see that, oh, you do have this criminal past, <laughs> and we're going to actually take you down for this, writing this bad check, but we're going to make you go serve that full sentence that you got off for. Well, not exactly. I was just about to ask you because because he's a second chance. It's a second, the, the, um, it's the Cali three strike, three strike rule, the street strike rule. And because he revealed his criminal past, Mm -hmm. had he not done this, I think this would have went a little different because a bounce check is a misdemeanor. Okay. Yeah. But because California had the three strike rule, which I'm, I don't know if they still have that. You think they do? I'm not sure. You're not sure. Um, now the, the state was seeking felony charges. Right, they were they were seeking charges based on the three strike rule. So right. you know that's really what that's why I guess I say I was saying that he ended up having to go serve the rest the of the sentence. Time. Right, right. They really got him and said, "Okay, we got you off the first time. We didn't really want to let you off." And that a lot of a lot of times that that happens. Prosecutors hold their nose as they make these plea deals with a lot of these criminals. They're like, I don't want to make this deal with you. You don't deserve to get a lighter sentence. You also deserve to be thrown under the bus and in the jail. But the only way I'm going to get this person is to get you. And so I'll hold my nose and do that, but I don't like it. And so as soon as they saw that they could get him and throw him under, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, so they did um, convict him of felony charges and... um he was convicted of bouncing. It came out that he bounced actually 27 checks, totaling $2,200, which in today's times, that's $3,579, which is a lot of money. Either mm-hmm. way, back in the 90s or today, you know, sir, It's not a lot of money. That's not a job. You can't keep bouncing checks. So, and how long did he go to jail? He was sentenced to 25 years to life. So he was denied checks. parole in 2022, just last year. He's not eligible again until 2027. So, you know, now after listening to this whole case that we'd covered together, I feel like it should be called fumbling the ball. Okay, I, I I don't think you're a reliable source. That's what I'm saying he fumbled. <laughs> you the keep ball. changing. You're but changing. I, well, I just feel like he didn't change. Right. Well, he was he remained consistent in his he behavior. Did. He fumbled so I, the ball I feel like out. he didn't change in the sense that he never got better. So true. Well, so. let's get to our favorite part of the show: the takeaways. Steph, um, my takeaway: I'm I'm sticking right beside. If you lie, habitual lying will lead to you cheating, which is exactly what he did throughout his football career. And people in authority allowed it because they were trying to use him for his talent and abilities. You you cheat and you steal. And that's eventually what led to killing in this case. And I think that he was abandoned by a lot of people in authority. 
Um, you know, I, we really don't know a whole lot about his parents, so I'll reserve my comments on them. However, I know that the coaches and people that um, young people often trust and look up to, you have a responsibility to look out for them as well. Maybe not the burden of, you know, providing for them, etc. But I feel like they exploited his gifts and talents um, and ignored his behavior. Almost every team he got with, he stole from. Um, and a lot of that was ignored because he could play football. And I feel like, um, you know, little things can lead to bigger things. And that's what happened in this situation. I think often we look at lying as something that, oh, no big deal. Everybody tells a white lie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, But, but you that know, my- can lead to bigger problems. If you don't address them, if you don't correct them and teach proper proper things and so yeah you know and mama used to say or she she may still say it but she told us when we were younger if you lie you can cheat i mean most black people say that you can Mm -hmm. steal and if you can steal you can kill you probably heard your grandmother say oh for sure i mean it it definitely made me think i don't want to kill dang i don't want to lie yeah so overall i just i i think that um this is unfortunate because I do think he was seeking truth. Like he was seeking to find out more about his black roots, as many of us here in America are trying because our, our history was erased from us. But um, I think he found a person who was a better manipulator or manipulator, sorry, um, which was Ben Yahweh, 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 Ben Yahweh. Yeah, he was a better manipulator and he used him. He used him Absolutely. as enforcement to do his dirty work. And, you know, that's what happened. So that's my analysis. I don't know that that was a takeaway. I think he got carried away with it, too, when he started to escalate it and you're killing black people, you know? Yeah. So my takeaway, well, and I don't even know if it's really so much a takeaway as I just think, you know, that talent can only get you so far. It got him pretty far. It took him a lot of places. It took him to college when he didn't deserve to be in college. It took him to Canada. It took him to the NFL. And, but at the end of the day, if you're not going to work hard, then it it's, you know, I tell my son all the time, or I tell all my children, that talent can only take you so far. Your hard work has to be coupled with talent because talent will get show, will will only take you as far as your hard work will will choose to work. So if you have somebody that is not equally as talented as you but is willing to work harder than you, well, they'll beat talent every day. I think that in this case, he was used to cheating and playing the system because other people cheated and played the system with him. He saw people doing it, and he thought that he could continue to do that. But once people saw that he was not, he was a criminal and he was just going to abuse and the system, they threw him to the curb, too. So it's unfortunate. It really is because somebody who is as talented as they made him out to be should have gone a lot further. This story should not end up the way that it did, but he didn't have the right guidance, the right mentorship. And he allowed a a cult-like organization to come in and instill, you know, hate and to instill 
what he thought was guidance and it was just manipulation and a way to continue down the path that he had already started for himself. And I really believe that he started to really get into it, the power of it all. And, you know, because when you start, he started killing the black people that did not align with the, the organization's propounded beliefs. So it's really unfortunate. Yeah, for sure. So that is today's case. Um, We want to encourage you guys, as always, to make sure that you are um, reviewing our our episodes, giving us some reviews. Uh, And a review doesn't mean you have to type it out. It means that you can just give us four or five stars. Give us five stars. I want five. You can do that. Yeah, we do want five. I'm going to ask for what I want. Five stars now if you really enjoy us. Um, So you can leave us a review that way on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We encourage you guys to share if you care with your friends and family. Um, And we will see you guys next time. Now, I did want to do a brief announcement. We will be holding a giveaway next week. We'll be giving out five gift cards and we'll discuss the rules and things like that next week. But I just wanted to make you guys aware that, you know, if you miss episodes and you're like, I'm just going to let them build up because that's what I do. I'm like, I'm going to let them build up and then I'm going to come back and binge. I'm 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 going to come back and binge. binge. Yeah. But if you do that, then you're going to miss the giveaway. So come back. All right, friends, this is Murder in the Black. Until next time. Bye.